Captain Cheong. Good. You're up. We need to get down to brass tacks. Wait, no. no wait. No, we're out of those. Damn. I have some bronze rivets? We'll have to start with those instead. I'm putting out fires. There's lava in the hotel. Drinks spilled everywhere. We will probably have to move venues. No time to explain. Just get here as quickly as possible. To Im Chae-yong, assistant manager and venue event coordinator for Hotel Daydream. No use getting upset about Ballroom 7 now that it's been disintegrated. I know Tutu Pele wanted a bubbly, flammable beverage, but attacking the half-drunk drink support group was a bit much. That poor carbonated vodka concoction from a college party that everyone thought would be fun to mix together, but in the end turned out way too bitter and way too strong to drink, is doing alright. Tutu Pele has checked out early at my insistence. Any luck finding a new venue for the linguists' academic conference? The tensions between the universal grammar scholars and the behavioralists is starting to make me uneasy. I know not everyone is a fan of Noam Chomsky, but the two groups are staring daggers at each other. Some have gone even further, gazing spears, and others glaring whole claymores. I have resent the guest list and, again, apologize for the mix-up. I think Ferdinanda forgot to send it this morning. She's been somewhat forgetful as of late. After her sessions with the purple lounge chair, her head seems to be in a different place. I wonder what they talk about. Anyway, I heard back from Davies at the misconstrued tavern along the boardwalk. He is working with Gerard on preparing our catering operations to move venues once we know... How have you been doing? Pretty good. I've been feeling a lot better since we started. That's good. What about your work at the hotel? I remember you said you've been wanting to work at the desk. It isn't really work. I don't get compensated for it. But I, I didn't want to bother Mr. Otwery about that. I don't really have the training or anything, so it doesn't really matter. <laughs> It's not like I have needs. <laughs> I'm just a disembodied nature spirit living free. <laughs> Did Mr. Ochoary offer you compensation? He may have mentioned it, but I told him not to worry. What kind of compensation was it? I don't know. I don't need it, okay? It's fine. It will save the hotel on its budget. I mean... They don't use money, or at least not a lot of it, but, you know, making sure everyone gets what they need stuff. Everyone but you. Hmm? Everyone gets compensation for their work, but you think you don't deserve it. It's not the same. I said I didn't need it. I'm fine. Can we talk about something else? All right. Something else, then. Have you thought any more about the question we ended our last session with? Yes, and I still don't know. We were the same person, one person, our entire lives. There isn't a handbook or a pamphlet about this. We, we got half of whoever we were before, and that's okay. I guess I don't know. Have you talked with her about this? 
She won't talk to me. Why do you think that? Oh, I don't know. Because she wants to hate our sister and think it's unfair. Hmm. Okay. Your sister. Nelth. Why would she hate her? I said I don't know. She's stuck on that. Stuck? Jackie always wants to see the bad in stuff. Be negative all the time. Even before, um, before the grove. She would always nitpick and criticize everything. Hmm. So do you think her attempted suicide was something she wanted to do? Uh, um, that came out wrong. Obviously, her walking into the Vigil Grove isn't that simple. I was talking more about everything else. You asked about our sister. All she can see is the bad in her. Do you have an example? Yes. Um, when we were younger, I used to write her moms after we branched out and moved away. Nelth and I... Us, um, I'm... I'm still not sure how to say that. Uh, Nelth and our old selves would write to our parents about how we were doing. Why does Jacqueline think that is bad? She thinks Nelth was being manipulative, but she doesn't understand that I asked our sister to throw the letters away. Um, so what would happen is often our old self would write to our moms and ask Nelth to proofread the letters. That's it. And throwing away the letters? Sometimes I would write a letter and Nelth would throw it away. It was a bad letter. I wrote it poorly, and the grammar was bad, and it was full of stupid expressions, and I probably would have thrown it away myself. Did you ever throw away your letters? No. But that isn't the point. The point is, it was something I probably would have done. Nalth is just a better writer than I am. She obviously saw problems and stuff that I was saying that I didn't catch myself. Did you often ask her to proofread the letters? I didn't have to. She knew when there was a bad letter and I trusted her. We find She would find me writing one and take it off my hands and make it easier. She'd write them for me and even take them out to the mail and make sure I didn't send something stupid. But did you ask her to do any of these things? What did I just say? I did not need to. Can we talk about something else? You were right! Mrs. Dwyer's rest home for existentially challenged objects does have a dance hall we can use as a makeshift venue. I had a chance to speak with her when I escorted Jacqueline over there about an hour ago. She is still on suicide watch per Mrs. Dwyer's instructions, but she is doing much better. I left her to talk with an old typewriter gentleman named Shaman, who she seems to have become friends with. His granddaughter is going off to college, I believe. They like to talk out on the veranda outside of Shaman's room. Anyway, moving on. The dance hall can seat 250 comfortably, and with the two dozen ancillary chambers off to the sides for smaller panel discussions, I think we have found a good fit. We will have to warn guests about the squirrels. They like to steal small personal items, but other than that...
got a lot of ambition. Don't know where she got that, but in this family, we were overdue for a bright one, let me tell you. When she was little, I'd always say to her, Lexus, don't listen to the people who will tell you you're too big for your britches, too high on your horse, too full of broth with no beans. She sounds smart. As sure as a space key, I'll tell you, but it's... It's all kinds of feelings. Seeing her go off to college, she's going to be one of hundreds, millions of laptops trying to find their space in the world. Hope she doesn't get lost. Ah, not a chance, I'll tell you that much, not a chance. She's got a surer head than a mouse ball and a trackpad. More so than me, anyway. Never did take to school. Did just fine being a clerical typewriter back then. Well, that was before I started getting used for creative stuff, and- I don't think I could do it. What? College? Why not? I don't have any records. No grades or test scores. You don't need those. How did Lexus get into her college? Well, she had to work very hard and study a lot, but she's always been good at that. Then she took the entrance exams and... Mm. I don't know anything. I've wasted my whole life doing nothing. Life's not over yet. It might be. Ah, uh, don't say that. Come on, snap out of this. This is how things are. Things don't change. Nothing does except yourself and for the worst. I could never get into a school. Nobody would accept me. All right. I'm a realist. You have a point. I can't say that they let you in, but... It's pointless. But it's not pointless. You can't let that black feeling win. You do that, the game's over. You have to keep trying. You know, I was once Dalton Trumbo's typewriter. He worked in a bakery for nearly ten years. Ten years! And all that time, he's whiling away at short story after short story. He wrote 88 of them and six novels. Not all one of them got accepted. Yes, ma'am, that got old Trumbo down in the dumps, but it never took him out. He kept at it, kept writing, kept pitching his stories, and you know what? He became one of the most famous writers in all of Hollywood, constantly in demand for his words, all of which he typed out on yours truly. And then he was subpoenaed. The United States Congress House Committee on Un-American Activities indicted him. He was blacklisted. How... How did you know about that? You've told me all this before. I have? You have. Oh. Well, well, you, you, you must have not been listening the first time. What's wrong with you? You're losing your memory. You're here in a sanitarium waiting to die, and you may never see Lexus again, Don't and- Don't forget some of my keys are falling off. <laughs> Don't you get it? Nothing is gonna get better. There isn't a point in trying to believe that like everyone keeps insisting. We, I, I am going to feel like this forever. And it's stupid and naive and I hate that everyone keeps telling me to chin up and think about the good things. Those are all going to disappear. I have no reason to hold on to them, to anything. It all sucks. Im Chaeyong, I don't know how we did it, but we did it. 
While not without a hitch, the conference has gone as smoothly as one can hope given the tensions present. When the fondue fountain started leaking and all the vegan options for the banquet dinner disappeared, I thought we would have a disaster on our hands. But you have, despite all odds, in the face of incredible adversity, kept us afloat. I know you are still busy arranging transport back to the hotel for this evening, so you'll pardon me for leaving this note under your place card at the table. That said, I'm not sure how well your plan is going. Inviting them both was smart, but I think it is going to take a lot more than them being at the same venue to talk to each other. Ferdinanda seems to be enjoying herself, though. She struck up a conversation with William Labov and Catherine Burridge. I doubt either have seen a dryad before, or at least the signifier of one. Jacqueline, on the other hand, was looking even more despondent than usual. I think all this hubbub and stimulation has just made her want to withdraw more. She went up to the balcony to get some air, and yes, I know what you are thinking, but Mrs. Dwyer has said she should be... Something's happening. There's a scuffle in one of the lecture halls. Mr. Chomsky is in there! Oh dear. I have to go. Dear Rouge, thank you for coming by on such short notice. Some have said your involvement is overkill, but I know Mrs. Dwyer appreciates it. Mr. Shimon is okay, but not in great shape. He is in no further danger, but falling from that height has left him with permanent damage, I'm afraid. His print point indicator and platen release latch are terribly bent out of shape. What is worse is half of his keys are missing. There was a lot of confusion about which letters were missing as Mr. Shimon uses a Dvorak keyboard layout instead of the typical QWERTY one. We've recovered most of the keys, but his spacebar is still out there somewhere. The squirrels we were warned about only made off with a handful, but without the spacebar, Mr. Shimon cannot speak very well. Your help in the search should speed things up, though. A bird's eye view will weed out the least likely areas. Combine that with everyone else helping, and that pesky key won't evade us for long, though that may cause other problems. Before this whole fiasco with Mr. Shamon, a fight had just broken out between the Universal Grammatists and the Behavioralists. A Behaviorist had raised an objection during a Q&A portion of a panel hosted by Noam Chomsky. A Universal Grammatist came to his defense, but in a slightly brusque manner. Well, that was enough to draw more behaviorists into the argument, which then pulled reinforcements from the grammatists, and before we knew it, a brawl had broken out. Not a terrible brawl. They are academics, not a biker gang, but enough violence was exchanged for people to get hurt. All of that ended abruptly, however, when Jacqueline came running back into the ballroom to tell us of Mr. Shamon's accident. It is still upsetting to think about that poor typewriter falling from the veranda. He cannot speak still, but we think he was writing to his granddaughter at the time of the fall. We'll know soon enough. Jacqueline and Ferdinanda are both out there with the search parties. You might even see them on your flyover. Yes, it has been an eventful day. I've begun talking with some antique shops in Dizzying Fair. Should we fail to find Mr. Shabon's space bar? All told, you should be right as rain. Sincerely, Lionel Ashford.
Sitting up there. I should have offered to help him write it. Maybe he'd be okay if I had. Doesn't matter. Gotta try and find that sneaky little. Who is it? Oh. So what? You're just gonna ignore me? I guess so. Fine. I'm happy to search in silence. It's better anyway. You're really not going to say anything? Would it help? Maybe. It can't hurt to try. I did try. And it did hurt. What was it I said, hmm? I don't have to do this. You can't always just run away from a thing, you know. As opposed to running towards the problem? Yeah. Actually, talking about stuff helps. Why do you think I'm in counseling? No. No, you don't get to be self-righteous after shutting me out. What are you talking about? I was... I am in a dark place. And when I tried to tell you how that felt, how hard something as simple as waking up was, all you could do was tell me to brighten up, get over it, and think about how it can be better. It can be better. I don't care! I wasn't looking for a prescription, Nada. I just needed someone to listen. You didn't. Nobody did. I felt like I didn't have anywhere I could go to get away from this black smog that is always there, always. I was so tired and tired of being tired. I would get pulled down into a spiral, and it felt like nobody would bother throwing me a rope. I didn't need to believe that things could get better, Nada. I needed to be able to just simply... be. I couldn't. That's why I walked into the Vigil Grove. It would have been easier to tell me this if you hadn't been pushing me away. Oh my god, you can't be serious. You did. The moment I brought up our sister, you started shoving me to the side. Because what you were saying was absurd. She's family. She manipulated us. No, she didn't. She would go into our room and root through our things to see what we had been up to. She would open our mail to prevent us from seeing stuff from our mother's. She would twist what we said to make us feel bad about disagreeing with her and then would lie to our faces about all of it. She was the one person looking out for us after our family fell apart, Jackie. Our family didn't fall apart. She tore us away from them. Why do you think she was so keen on reading what we wrote back home? So that we didn't share any sensitive information. Like what? Name a single thing you genuinely think would be sensitive info. Our address? And why is that? We send that to our moms and they'd... They'd have... They'd what? Know where we were? Know that we were okay? Our sister pulled us away from our family as a power move. Why would she do that? Because she was afraid. Of what? I 
I don't know. Maybe that we were getting too much attention. Maybe because we were adopted and she wasn't. Maybe because our parents had their own abandonment issues. Could be a million things. How did we get like this? The Escher stairs? I mean this. Depressed and codependent. We're not- Do you really want to argue? No. Maybe we were always like this. Maybe when we got broken half, you got all the self-loathing and I... I got mouth. That seems mostly unfair. Yeah. What are we now? I mean, like this, in two bodies. A mess? I'm serious. The purple lounge chair keeps asking me about it, and what do you think? I think we're... Sisters. Sisters? Yeah. It fits, given how problematic our relationship in that vein seems to be. That doesn't make me feel better. No, me neither. So what do we do now? Give up. Jackie. I meant about the space bar. I don't think we're going to find it, and I don't have the energy to look anymore. Okay. I think... I'm going to keep looking a little longer. What? If you're staying, then... You don't have to. I know. Thanks. Hotel Daydream was voiced and written by Stephen Kausler. This episode featured the guest voice of Jessica Burson as Ferdinanda and Jacqueline. You can follow her on Twitter at Velveteen underscore voice, or follow the link in the show notes. Our theme music is by John Divin. Additional music in this episode was by Music Unlimited, Matthew Mike Cole Music, and Waltz in A Minor, Opus 34, Number 2, by Chopin. You can find the links to all these artists in the show notes. Transcripts for each episode can be found on our Patreon at patreon.com forward slash hotel daydream or follow the link in the show notes. If you enjoyed your stay at the hotel, consider leaving us a review on iTunes or Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. Share it with friends, family, or make it into an origami. Why not? If you want more Hotel Daydream, each episode has its own commentary on our Patreon. The first ten are free to listen for anybody. That's nearly ten hours of ad-free audio for anyone to enjoy. But none of that would be possible without the hotel's patrons. Today, the hotel would like to thank Mandy, the Flapjack Platypus, Sarah Elkins, Danny, the Spoon Lord, Gus Sanchez, Asher Klein, and Danny Denise. Thank you for supporting the hotel.